listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. But now, it's time for this week's interview. Here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. This week's special guest is Annie Weir, whose debut self-published novel is the psychological page-turner, Judith Wants to Be Your Friend. The inspiration for the story came during a workshop taken as part of Annie's MA, and after some time sitting on her computer hard drive, Annie decided to get the book published through Matador. Annie is also the owner and manager of her own training company, which, as all writers know, can be a bit of a challenge to balance the writing with the day job. And Annie's with us now, I'm delighted to say. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, hi, Paul. Thank you for asking me. First of all, I want to congratulate you on publishing your first book because you and I had a conversation uh, quite a while ago now when it was sitting on your hard drive. So how did it get from hard drive to a book that you can hold? Okay, well... First of all, I must say you were an inspiration, <laughs> and uh, I know you haven't paid me to say that, but um, oh, how do we get from there? Well, I've been looking at self-publishing, I must say, reluctantly for a little while, and um, I was still at that stage hoping to get an agent and going through what I then considered to be you know, proper channels. Um, but after after our, our conversation, I think probably about this time last year, I decided I would look into self-publishing. Um, and I chose to go with a company called Matador, which is part of the Troubadour Publishing House. And they offered a kind of pick-and-mix menu of um, different things to help you get published. And I was lucky enough to get a little bit of funding to help me along the way as well. So even though... I did think they were quite an expensive option compared with others that I'd looked at. I thought to give it the best chance, I would I would go with a company that could offer some marketing support as well as, you know, converting it into an e-book and, um, well, formatting it properly for a book, doing a copy edit and all that, that kind of thing. So I, so I really um, handed over most of it to, to Matador Publishing, We'll explore the, the detail of that process a little later on. I, would want, I want to go right back now. I want to wind back the clock and ask you, have you always wanted to write? Have you always been a writer? Yes, from a, from a teenager, um, writing angsty love poems, I suppose. <laughs> 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 from that, I thought that was a bit embarrassing. So um, I actually wanted to write children's books. Um, for about as long as I can remember since then and I did start what was then a correspondence course with no email or internet then and um, I did quite a lot of work on some children's stories, children's poems and things like that so how on earth I came to a psychological thriller was a bit strange um, but yes, that's, that's certainly going back about 25 years that wasn't one of those advertisements on the back of the newspaper, was it? Because I always wonder where those led. Uh, yes, it probably was, actually. Yeah, because uh, it certainly wasn't from, um, you know, like now you can read writer's magazine, writing journal, things like that. So, yes, it must have been from a, from a paper. You know, you two can be a writer. 
And actually, even back then, I got I got good feedback. So I don't know why I was so nervous about taking it forward properly. So it was a long time coming. I started um, a novel along the way as well, which is still sitting on a back burner somewhere, which actually I still go back to from time to time. Um, and then I did a few courses, weekend courses, one-day courses, things like that. But I still never felt that I was really doing it seriously. So when I had the opportunity and... Oh, I'll say a bit of spare cash. You know, I really have spare cash, but enough cash to invest. So I decided to do the MA in creative writing and really just give it my best shot. Had, Sorry, go on. Had you had anything published before ever in a magazine or a village magazine or anything like that? Had you ever had public-facing work out there? Um, not fiction. I'd done some reviews for books, uh, you know, training-type books, um, somebody asked me to write a review for um, for a book that was being published and was being featured in a, in a magazine, but no, not not fiction. No. So you came to the MA. That's quite an undertaking, isn't it? An MA. I think I might be quite intimidated by it. <laughs> well, for all I work in education, I actually had a very long break from education. Um, I. I didn't do a degree straight from school. I did my first degree when I was 47. Um, then I went on and did a master's in education and training. And then I sort of got the learning bug, really, and I wasn't doing anything. And I thought, well, next time I do any studying, it's going to be for interest rather than work. And then I, that's when I found the MA in creative writing. And I actually did it with the University of Cumbria, thinking it would be supporting a local university it was new then yes it was a big undertaking but i'll tell you what the the um the beauty of doing that is because i did want to write a full-length novel i'm not really interested in short stories or anything like that but to say oh you know i'm just going to go and sit in the office and write for an hour sort of most days a week it seemed a bit of an affectation really but once i paid good money to do an ma course it was, well, you know, I need to do my homework. So that's how I got into the routine, as I thought of it as homework. As in my final year, I, I decided to, to complete it as a, a sort of dissertation year. And so that kind of gave it more credibility in, in my mind, the time that I was having to spend on it after having spent all the money. And then getting into that routine of writing every day was really valuable and you know, it was never a chore. And if I wasn't home from work, you know, by half five, six o'clock, I was thinking, oh, no, when am I going to do the writing? And I became something that I really wanted to do. Can you talk me through a little bit of what you do on an MA? Because they're, they're always advertised, these creative writing MAs. And I've, mm -hmm. I've wondered what you actually do. What do they teach you about writing? Are they very valuable as a resource? Well, I certainly found it to be because... Um, well, actually, before I say that, can I just say there are loads of different MAs in creative writing and the way that they're made up, I think, are different depending on which university you go to and which focus you have. And if I was doing it again, I would choose one that was more focused towards novels because in our first year we did poetry and playwriting and then in terms of putting a, putting together a story, you know, sort of fictional story, a lot of it was focused on short stories, 
whereas really my interest has always been novels. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a mix and match one really. But actually the value of it was not only as I said getting into a routine of writing every day, but also it wasn't just writing. We had to critique each other's work. So you did get used to having feedback on your own work, but also critically reading other people's. And we also had to edit our own work and give reasons for why we'd chosen to write in a particular tense or write in a particular voice or from a particular point of view. So we were encouraged to experiment in those, in those sort of ways. It definitely wasn't an English language course or an English literature course. It was quite reflective and learning how to well edit as I say and and look at the the overall shape of stories or poems or plays or whatever it was we were doing so the learning really came from that when you write what's your process do you need silence could you do it in front of the telly are you a pen and paper or computer I'm definitely silence no music even um and if there are other people in the house i have to shut the door it's more private as well as silent i think definitely not in front of the telly pen and paper for planning i'm a planner actually not a pantser a planner planner definitely because i don't like to sit down and look at the blank paper or look at the blank screen. I don't mind whether I type it straight up or, or whether I do it first. It, that, that doesn't really matter. But the planning has to be done first because I have to sit down knowing at least roughly what's going to happen next. So with Judith, because the alternate chapters are set in different places. So there's one month in Carlisle and then there's the same month, the year prior the previous year set in Hexham so it went backwards and forwards um so I had to know what was happening in parallel to each other because the two stories kind of come together at the end and I had to because the 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 different parts were threading through each other and some parts were reflecting her previous life and some joining her previous life at, at some points as well I had to make sure that I wasn't doing some strange, glaringly bad continuity thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I love I love the plan. I could sit and plan all day. Actually, it's um, it's very enjoyable. And also, I spend a lot of time working out the personality and the character of the people. So not just how old they are and what colour hair and they've got and things like that and actually I have been criticised in Judith Wants to Be Your Friend that I don't give enough detail about what Judith looks like or how old she is um, but just about her background as well and then I thought about what her strengths were, what her weaknesses were what her values were what motivated her and things like that and then made sure that the way that she spoke and the way that she thought and behaved was consistent with this whole person and that took ages doing that in my notebook I've got pages and pages about Judith's 
It's great that it did. And when you do write, do you write a thousand words at a time? Do you do 5,000? Do you, do you have a quota or do you just write until you've had enough? I have um, a guideline, really. I don't beat myself up if I don't do it. Uh, but what I was doing when I, when I wrote it, and I'm trying to now replicate that with what I'm doing now, is um, an hour a day. And word count-wise, I aimed for 800 words. But if I did significant research, for example, I, I don't know, oh, no, I haven't done 800 words. I think, oh, well, you know, I've done this research now, so tomorrow I'm ready to go uh, straight off without, without messing about and looking things up. So, yeah, roughly 800 words in an hour, in a day. And how accurately do you write when you've written those 800 words? Is it, is it stream of consciousness or is it quite accurate writing? It's reasonably accurate because if I do it straight onto the computer, I can't bear the red wavy lines telling me I've spelt something wrong or the grammar's not making sense. So I do sort of revise and review as I go along, yeah, rather than just get the first draft out. I couldn't get to the end without having reread what I'd done earlier. In fact, I quite often start start a session by reading yesterday's. And then the um I feel like I get more continuity anyway and it and it flows better. But for all the planning, you know, um I did a talk actually at the Whitehaven Library reading group last week. And they said, "Oh, you know, do the characters just take on a life of their own?" And although, to a certain extent, I've planned it well enough that they don't, they still, surprising things came up. And Judith said surprising things as well, which made me think, oh, yeah, actually, that's, yeah, she would say that. And then I would then have to go back and rethink the next bit. So there are a few surprises come up along the way, but it's, it's mostly planning and it's mostly editing as I go along, yeah. When you and I spoke a year or so ago then, um, I think it was just sitting on your hard drive as a Word document, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, yeah. and where were you with it? Because I think you'd sent it around, hadn't you, to, to, to agents and you, you tried your luck with it. Where, where, what was yeah. that process like? Oh, I did everything by the book. I bought the Writers and Artists Yearbook. I went through seeing, finding the ones who printed the sort of books that Judith would, you know, would fit into. Um, I then check their websites to see what, you know, do they want 50 pages? Do they want the first three chapters? Do they want a synopsis? Don't they want a synopsis? Um, I, I just did it exactly as um, each agent was asking for. Um, most replies I got were, were very nice, um, but saying things like, or it might be with the, the industry the way it is at the moment, we're not taking on any new authors or we're not taking any more authors on top books at all for the next however many months or or year or something. So I had lots of replies like that. I have to say most did reply. One agent um, asked to see the whole manuscript after reading three chapters and I was absolutely bursting with excitement on that mm. day, as you can imagine. Mm, I can. Um, and she said, uh, please would you send the full manuscript uh, at your earliest convenience? 
at which point my internet stopped working. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I had to drive up to my husband's work and beg a computer off somebody and um, sign on to Hotmail and send it from there. Um, and that was actually a no. And the reason given from the you know, the, the agent's um, member of staff was that no, she's called Madeline Milburn. Um, Madeline just didn't quite love it enough to uh, feel she could sell it to publishers. So I was very disappointed, of course, at that point. Um, and actually, I have a friend who, is, uh, who does editing work for, for the big publishing houses on a freelance basis. And he said, I shouldn't be despondent because, you know, not many people get asked to see the full manuscript. But anyway, I was despondent. Um, and then a few months later, I was at um, an event in London run by the Writers and Artists Yearbook called uh, How to Hook an Agent. And actually, Madeleine Milburn, that same agent, was there. And um, I plucked up the courage to say, oh, hello, do you remember Judith? And she did, which um, surprised me because she must read loads of manuscripts. And she then gave me some feedback as to why she had turned it down and um, I did eventually act on that not straight away, I don't know why I should have rushed home and acted on it straight away but I didn't it was, I was in, just in that place where oh no, I just can't be doing, doing it at the moment and then I went back to it and did act on it um, started sending out to agents again and that's really when I went on the course that you and um, David ran, you know, on getting your book ready in, in a techie sense, but also your part with marketing it and just being brave and getting it out there and what are you waiting for and all that stirring stuff. Um, and that's when I decided to self-publish. So I've taken a leaf out of your book. I've thought, well, if an agent wants to find me, they can, but <laughs> my days of waiting for that <laughs> reply coming through the door. I've gone now. And I'm glad, really, because um, I'm very pleased with the way that Judith's been been selling, even just in, in the six weeks or two months, whatever, it's two months now. And I've really, really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being interviewed. I've enjoyed doing talks. I've been invited to do two more, one, ne one next month, one in June. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I've been in the local paper twice. Everywhere I go, people say, oh, I saw you in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fabulous. I think they've done... Well, I'm going to talk about the Matador process shortly. Um, I just think the cover looks fantastic. It feels to me like you're in uh, Gone Girl and Girl on the Train kind of territory, which is what surprises me, that you didn't get more bites with the book, because it feels like mm. it's the time for that kind of book. Mm. I know, but, I mean... Oh, well, if I knew the answer, I would have done something about it. You know, I, I don't know... I think you just have to have the right person appealing to the right person on the right day. When the when Matador did the, oh, what was it, the full or the final proofread or the copy edit, whatever. Anyway, somebody in house did it, and she emailed me and she said, um, she said, "Wow, it's a really good read. You know, I really enjoyed reading it, and I'm glad to be part of it. You know, we want to make it look as good as possible for you, and all that kind of thing." And so I was really pleased with that. And then when I actually spoke to her on the phone, I said, you know, just tell me, do you say that to everyone? 
said, no, not at all. She said, oh, I couldn't put it down. I read it. And she said, I read loads of books. So, you know, had I caught the equivalent to her in, a, in an agent's office or a publisher's, maybe, maybe it would be a different story. But um, I've decided to go this way. And honestly, I'm really, really, really happy. Very happy. I dug around and found a blog that you'd written. Uh, online and you seemed quite despondent at the time when it had been knocked back and uh, it's quite interesting to read that having now gone through this wonderful positive experience of having Mm. your book out there and all the wonderful interest and support and enthusiasm that you're getting would you would you go the traditional route again or are you are you a self-published author now from now on unless anybody unless anyone approached me Next time, next time round, I'll I'll do I'll do more myself than I did. Uh, you know, we're calling me a self self published author, which is true, but Matador did such a lot of the work, and partly the reason for doing that was for me to learn from that process. So next time round, I'll be able to do more of it myself. And I actually think I did as much marketing as them. Um, in terms of social media. Uh, you know, I never liked Facebook, but now I think it's my best friend and Twitter and just networking and talking and not being shy about it. I mean, I, you know, I say to my friend, you know, my sort of real friend friends, I said, look, you know, I'm sorry if I'm just boring you to death with all this. But, you know, you just got to keep it, keep going and keep reminding people. And just every time something happens, I just put it on Facebook or put it on Twitter, you know, the age you know, Publishers rang today and asked if we could do this and shall we do that and yeah I'm just trying to keep it just keep it in people's consciousness really but no I wouldn't I wouldn't seek an agent again in the, in the same way that I did last time because it takes ages anyway and you know all the time you're sitting around waiting I think you said a similar thing when when I heard you speak that all that whole year or more maybe. When I was writing, emailing, spending time researching all the agents, I could have just been getting on with it. And actually, for Judith in particular, because I did it as part of my course, and there was so much self-editing and critique from my from the group and feedback from the tutor, you know, what is uh, I guess normally the biggest thing is getting somebody else to edit it for you. An awful lot of that was done already. Can I explore the matador process? I just want to find out what happens because, as you said, it's it's almost like outsourcing. It is self-publishing still, but it's like outsourcing because somebody else was doing mm. the work. But I also know that you get a lot of autonomy and input with matador. They don't mm. just run away with it and, and take it away. I think last time you and I spoke, I think you were saying that you'd seen the cover. You were looking at a cover design. Um, so mm. can, you, can you talk me through the matador process and... As you sent the manuscript off, what happened after that? Well, um, the the way that I understood it is that they they asked to see the manuscript first anyway, and because they market it, or at least you can buy the marketing part off them, they wanted to be sure, I suppose, that they were marketing something. Uh, I don't know how to phrase it really. You know that they're not they're, that they're not, or that they they feel able to market it. You know that it's a, a decent book. That they're not 
embarrassed about marketing. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's their reputation, isn't it? Mm, if they're endorsing yeah, I it. Mm. So, to, a, to a certain extent. And so, first of all, they, they read it and they say, yes, it's something we'd like to work on with you. They insist on doing an edit. Um, I think proofread you could choose, but, but certainly the, you know, the, the red pen type edit, <laughs> they insist on doing that. Was that painful or did, did it pass uh, through? Well, no, it passed through reasonably well, actually. It was supposed to have been done on the, on the computer with the, the track changes so that you could just authorise the changes reading through. But um, there was some snag with the IT. You'll be am- amazed to hear. Never. I, I don't believe it. I'm quite good on the computer, honestly. Um, so they said, would it be OK if they sent the manuscript back in the traditional way with, with red pen on it? And actually, I, w- I was delighted. Well, you could have that. You could choose to have that anyway, um, but you had to pay more. And they said, oh, you don't have to pay anymore. It's the glitch is at our end. <laughs> so obviously it was at their end. Yeah, so they, so they sent it back uh, by courier. It's all, all wow. it very mysterious and glamorous. Oh, the courier with the red pen <laughs> sent back. Um, and then I went through it. But they, they, their description was it was a pretty clean copy which after doing an MA in creative writing and having all that input, it, it should have been pretty clean copy, really, I think. Uh, there, were some, there were some things. Um, and some things like, oh, I don't know, the st- starting of paragraphs in a new chapter, it's justified right to the left, but at different times, they, you know, it was like indented and the way that I'd written things like song titles and film titles and they changed that just things i just didn't know really um but the the sort of mistakes if you will were were just the same ones all the way through it was just stuff i didn't know so no no it wasn't painful at all it was great and i've and so i've got that copy still obviously with the with a red pen written on it so that's going to be worth a fortune one day. I know. Tell me about it. I know. This is absolutely right. Hang on to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. You, yeah, and, so. you and JK, you'll be selling off the old oh, manuscripts. That's it, yeah. We'll be chatting over a New Zealand sav one night and I'll say, <laughs> oh, I've got mine here. <laughs> no, so that was that. So they did that first and then... There was a lot of going backwards and forwards with uh, things like the cover, things like how it was to be presented in terms of uh, chapter headings and things like that. Actually, I think they've done it in a really stylish way. I'm very, very pleased with them. But, yeah, we were talking about the cover, weren't we, last time I saw you? Mm, I love that cover. I just think that's real class, I think. Um, oh, that's lovely. Mm, the problem with some with a lot of self-publishing is the covers. People skimp mm-hmm. on the covers, and you can tell it's self-published a mile off. Yours looks like a Waterstones bestseller to me. I could see that on the pile of books in Waterstones. Really classy. I love it. Mm, thanks. So you actually want me for the next print to change the the cover in as much as where the writing is. They want it to be raised and sort of shiny so it stands out even more. So I'm I'm thinking about that at the moment because uh, it costs more to do that. Did you get a print run then? Did do you have to pay for a run? Yeah. Well, that's that's the way I've done it hmm. so far. 
I know you've talked about doing it on demand, haven't you? Sort of one at a time. I, I, yeah, I do print on demand, which is a different model, but my, my whole model yeah. is, is different from the way you do it. So how, how many books did you order uh, in, in your first print run? 300. Well, that's a very reasonable number, isn't it? So the the new lettering is going to come with when the 300 have gone for the next run. Yeah, well, they've only got 44 left. Wow. So I know. I've got a few. I've got probably 20. Because um, I wanted some, you know, for taking around and selling to people I know and things like that. Um, but it's also on Kindle, of course. And it's, they sold over 1,000 on Kindle. Wow. I know. That's, it's just phenomenal. I did notice that you've got um, some great reviews. You've done really well with your reviews on Kindle. Some of them are fabulous and some are not. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's part of the course, isn't it? If you, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody, if you look at any famous author, any famous author who's selling them by the bucket load, they will all have horrible, bitter one-star and mm. two-star reviews. So I think... You've got to put it in context. And, and interestingly, the people who leave the one and two star reviews only write in short sentences, usually about three words. It oh, was one of them just says disappointed. Yes. They... And it hasn't even got a capital D. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm disappointed in the review. <laughs> I know, it's, it's very frustrating. How are you coping with that? Because it is hard, isn't it? It's always hard. I think you, you read more into the single bitter twisted review, one star, than you do the all the five stars. I absolutely agree with that. But then I have a I have my own training company and, you know, you could do training for 25 people all day long. 24 people say, oh, it was great, got loads from it. One person says, oh, it was a bit slow for me. And you think, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get it all the way home. Um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, and also because during the MA we had to critique each other's work and that wasn't always what you wanted to hear. Um, I'm... I have grown a bit more thick-skinned about that. And the day that I got the, the my first one-star review out of, I think, two, it was it said, oh, it started quite well, but but ended ended disappointingly or something. But that was just two days after I got a review that said that the story weaves together so well or something. Um, I begin to wonder whether this is an established author writing under a pseudonym, oh. which was just... It's the best one ever. That's lovely. I've got that printed off. I've That's... got it printed off. <laughs> so I can read it if I get... If I get a horrible read, uh, review, I'll just read that one again. Well, that, that's a recommendation, actually. I know I've heard a lot of authors say this because everybody discusses bad reviews and what to do about them. I know some people get spouses to read the reviews and then vet them so they don't see those, you know, the killers that just really kill your confidence oh, yeah. and your enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> and so they, they just tell them the, the stuff they need to know because the problem is there is there will be guidance in those reviews that's useful to you as an author, but the, mm. the horrible bit ones that just close everything down uh, mm. yeah. be very destroying yeah. can't they i think at times depending on what mood you're in you're right i mean and there was a quite a long review on there uh i'm just really flattered that anyone should have read it in that depth and thought about it enough to give such a detailed critique and i ended up by saying but you know all things being said it was a page turn i enjoyed it um she had a few queries about uh Judith's background or relationship with her mother or something, which, you know, is all fair enough. But I was just so flattered that anyone should should take that much trouble. And these are people I don't know, by the way. I know the people that I know. Two of my sisters, a few friends. 
Even my son's written one, bless him. Um, he thinks Judith is me. Um, <laughs> so <coping. laughs> And his review says something like, um, uh, we, can see, we, can, we can see certain traits of people that we know. <laughs> Well, I was very impressed with the reviews. I think you've done in such a short period of time. That's really impressive. Do do you think that's as a result of the the marketing that you've got through Matador or the marketing that you've done? Or has it just taken on that magical life of its own? Well, I've asked everybody who's bought it through Amazon, I've asked them to do a review. And people say, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you say, oh, have you done a review for me yet? Like, oh, no, I haven't. So I know people have the best intentions to do it and they don't always do it. So I would say mostly through my efforts that, that they have. But the, the people who I don't know who have done it, I, I don't even know where they've come from, really. Well, that's I the don't way. Know where they- Come from it all. It's the beauty of Amazon, isn't it? That people can come from all over the world. Have you started marking your territories yet? Where where you're selling? You... Oh no, I haven't. I don't even know how to do that. Oh, it no, gets very exciting. We'll have to have another conversation because I've made sales in Japan and Australia, oh. and it, and it gets really exciting when you start to get. Um, I get um, you know checks from Amazon. It depends what uh, outlets you're on, but I get checks from Japan every now and then and things like that. So it, it gets oh, very good. exciting when the when you, you're selling in different currencies um yeah well my stepdaughter lives in new zealand and so she said she was going to going to buy one from amazon but in fact her mother-in-law took one out at christmas for her um so she didn't buy it in the end so i probably haven't got any new zealand ones <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's very exciting anyway i just love it all it's just brilliant so hopefully you're now doing what I was saying at that training session, which is that you need to be banging them out. You need to be writing and, and getting new ones written. So you sound like you're in the middle of one at the moment, are you? Yes, but not the same. I'm actually in the middle of a non-fiction kind of self-help book at the moment. Oh, wow. Tell us about uh, that. Okay. Well, it's called Not Too Late at 58. And Judith wants to be your friend is proof that it is not too late at 58 to realize your dream and so it's about well it's for aimed at people of a certain age don't have to be 58 obviously i've had a birthday since um people who've just reached that age where they think oh do you know i've just always wanted to do such and such and you know they're perhaps over halfway you know in the life and they think i've got to do it now now or never so it's about, you know, thinking about your past and putting to bed all the disappointments, what have you learnt from them, thinking about you know, what you're good at and all the vast experience that you've got of life over that sort of time and thinking about how to realise your dream. How are you finding non-fiction compared to fiction? I, I write in both and they're quite mm. a different strategy, aren't they? They are different and I never really wanted to do non-fiction. I think it's because in my company I write so many training manuals training sessions I, I did two degrees in education so I've written you know a lot of words about non-fiction and it didn't really um thrill me very much the prospect of doing that but this has and I've done a lot of listening to webinars and reading other books about the subject 
And actually, I'm going to do an online course that goes kind of follows on from the book, a series of webinars, and maybe some retreats, you know, in the beautiful Lake District for people to take a bit of time out and really work through a plan and whether, whether or not they really do want to make some big change in their life or whether it should just be left as a daydream. Not that there's anything wrong with daydreaming, obviously, but, you know, it might be that it would upset the family or those around them too much if they, if they really did make a big change. So just to, you know, retreats to help people really think it through in a lot of depth. And then I will get on with my next psychological thriller, which is pretty much planned out in overview. I know how it starts and I know how it ends, let's put it that way. And I have made a bit of a start on it. I think I'm up to about 10,000 words, so not very far, really. And then that'll be the next fiction one, definitely. And have you set dates in your own mind as to when you want those to hit publish? Yes, um, not too late at 58. My deadline for that was the 31st of January. Uh, whoopsie! <laughs> <laughs> because I thought that would be a good time, because you, you set New Year resolutions, then it gets to the end of January and you think, oh no, February already, I still haven't done anything. So I thought it might be a good kick-in time to revisit. Well, this year I'm going to do whatever it is. Um, so I'm aiming for the end of March now, but I still think that's a bit ambitious and um, yeah to actually get it out there probably at least another three months after that you see that's one thing I learned from Matador that even if you've got them behind you it takes ages mm. Mm. although I suppose if you do it on your own you can speed it up more uh, yeah, yeah, well, yes, uh, yes, but you do the work, obviously, that's the problem, and it stops you from doing the writing. So it, it's always, I think it's always swings and roundabouts. I don't think there's any perfect solution um, to it yeah. um, because, you know, you have to be master of a lot of trades if you, if you do it yourself, um, yeah. I think is... Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you've just reminded me of something. That the, the training day that you and David did, that I attended... One of the things that I really did learn from that is to think about what I do want to learn and do myself and what is better to outsource because I'll just never be any good at it, you know. Mind you, I thought marketing was one of those things, but I found out that I, um, I'm doing quite a reasonable job with the marketing. So um, probably the techie stuff is, is something that I would, you know, in the future buy that in anyway. I'm writing on Scrivener at the moment. Oh, I'm delighted to hear that. I'm a Scrivener oh, yeah. user, yes. Did you write yeah. first time on Scrivener? Have you discovered uh, it? Oh, no. I, I knew about it for ages. But I'm trying to do the whole of Not Too Late at 58 on it. And um, there are some things that I get really stuck on, but, but generally I, found it, I found it, find it good to um, swap bits about and group bits together so... Because I'm having some case studies, going to do case studies of people who've done stuff later in life as well. So I keep, can keep all of them separate and just write the main narrative and then see where I'm going to slot those in. You know, things like that seems to be working working really well. Y yes, Judas was written on Microsoft Word, was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was, yeah. And how did you get on with that? Because it's, um, I find it a bit temperamental sometimes when it comes to formatting. Yeah, well, this is it. You see, I didn't realise that you should take the formatting out and do it in very basic 
sort of word rather than using, you know, the tabs and the spaces and everything that they put in. So I'm not really techy enough to do that. So when I when I heard that Scrivener would uh, more or less do that sort of stuff for you, I thought it's definitely got to be worth a try. And it's not it's not really expensive to buy or anything. It does take a while to learn it though, doesn't it? All the different parts. Well, I've nowhere near got through all the different parts of it, but to to use it with any sort of fluency i think it takes a little while yes i recommend a course to you after we finish chatting um yeah, i, I took a course. course oh you've done the course i've you? done a course no i haven't written it uh, i i no, I've, I've done a course and i i'll recommend a course to you because uh, there is a a standard uh, scrivener course and i i just sat down for a day worked through that and then i know where all the little bits are now uh, oh, whether nice. in scrivener it's very handy so I'm, i'll mention that to you after we stopped uh, uh, <laughs> okay, after thanks, we finished yeah. talking it's a handy little resource i think mm, um okay. So the fiction book, then, we haven't got a date for that. When, when do you think that's going to hit the shelves? Uh, I would like to say this time, or be- just before Christmas, but I don't know. I'm going to have to work really hard to get that done by then. I would like to think the first draft will be done by autumn. So it probably won't be until... Oh, well, let's say the, let's say the holiday market, 2017. <laughs> and, and, and are you planning to keep releasing them now? Are you going to keep at this now you've done it? Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Well, no, definitely. I love that genre anyway. And then I can... And I've got things to go back to that I've thought about over the years and notes I've made over the years. I haven't thrown anything away. Um, so I can go back and revisit all that all that that I've done before. Yeah, so it's going to carry on, yeah. If you could whisper in your ear, go back a year and whisper mm. in your ear, now you know what you know now about self-publishing, what would you say to your yourself as, a, as an author who'd wanted to do it for a long time, actually done the work you did the most difficult bit that was that was why i was you know trying to encourage you because that's the most difficult bit the sitting down and getting the work done isn't it you've done it what would you say to yourself now you've gone through that experience and you've got this wonderful book i think i would say not to be frightened to to get it out there as it was only after that the course that i did with you that i even let anybody read it actually I've, since leaving uh, university and two people read it one is a, a friend of mine but she doesn't um, she doesn't hold back any punches you know she's very much say it how she sees it and the other person who read it is somebody who I didn't know very well at all and they were both so encouraging and, you know, the feedback I have, I've had in the past has been encouraging as well. So I don't know why I was so sort of shy and retiring about it. I should have just gone for it. I think get a good edit, definitely. But don't be frightened to get it out there. And some people will like it and some won't. But, you know, the worst thing that is just not doing it. It could still be on the hard drive. That's what I think is a crying shame when you've done all that wonderful work and most people aspire to write a book and never even get that far to have the the finished thing on a hard drive. So I think it's a crying shame if you get that far not to let it see the light of day. And, of course, today, these days, you can just get one copy for your shelf if you want. I think even if that's all you ever do is you get to hold a 
single copy mm. in your hand. Um, it's a massive achievement, isn't it? Mm. Well, actually, I have a writing buddy who we have a, a call, a Skype call, probably about every six weeks, six to eight weeks. And I was having a, a, a writing buddy call with her one day, and I was on my own in the house. And the 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 books, you know, my this fifty odd that I'd requested were due to arrive the next day, and I was just saying to her. Oh, it's, you know, I'm at a networking meeting in the morning. I'd love to be able to have taken a couple of them books with me to show people. But I'll be out early in the morning, so I won't be able to do it anyway. And the doorbell rang. I nearly didn't even answer the door because I was talking to her. And and so when I went downstairs, the guy said, oh, I've got five boxes here for you. And they were all the same. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you've ever bought stuff online and you thought you haven't done it, so you press the send again and you end up with... Christmas, we ended up with like three or four watches. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, five, five boxes. He said, yeah, they're all the same as well. I'm thinking, oh, no. Anyway, he bought the first one into the house for me and it had a troubadour label on it. Oh, they're my books. And it was so exciting. It really was. I was just bursting with excitement. And I was so glad that my writing buddy was there, still on Skype, propped up on the stairs. Brilliant. While I answered the door. Um, yeah, it was just lovely. And then, you know, I opened the box and just saw them there, rode up in the box. I'm, I'm looking at them now on my shelf in, in my office. And it is, oh, the sense of satisfaction is just so great. It's lovely. I'm, I'm so pleased you did it. And congratulations for pushing yourself through that last stage. I think it's a tremendous achievement. I think the outcome is is brilliant. And it's so wonderful mm, to see it getting reviews on Amazon. It's clearly been really well received so i think you're on to something i think you need to carry on annie you need to keep doing it yes thank you paul and thank you again for your for your encouragement your inspiration i, I mean i really mean that and I, I do tell everybody that not only when i'm being recorded <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me at work annie thank you very much yes. <laughs> well the last thing i need to ask you is i know you've got a brand new author website now you've gone all posh on us now you're a published author so do you want to just share a couple of the places where we can find you and interact with you online Right, well, I set up a website. I actually did it in an afternoon. It wasn't difficult, um, even for me. And that is uk. I did a bit of research, looking at a few of my favourite authors to see what their websites were called, so I went for that. Um, Judith Wants to Be Your Friend has got a page on Facebook, so it's just facebook.com forward slash Judith Wants to Be Your Friend. And my Twitter account, which was set up by the publisher, is at the moment twitter.com forward slash Annie Weir author. How good does that feel? Annie Weir author. Great. I love all this stuff that goes around with it, you know. And my husband sometimes introduces me, oh, my wife's a writer. And then people go, oh, really? (laughs) You're you're now officially a superstar, Annie. (laughs) It's such fun. I love it. Well, congr- congratulations. It's been lovely catching up with you today. I really appreciate your time and I wish you every success with the books. Oh, thanks you too with all your stuff. I know you're still doing loads of things, so all the best for that as well. And, um, yeah, thank you for, um, for inviting me to do this today. It was great. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. 
Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.